Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, sleep tight stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to my show, Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to develop a plan to reach their dreams. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. You can only exceed expectations by believing in yourself. People always like to talk about their gift or purpose. If you have a gift, leave with your gifts and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guest is Shelly Fanfan. Ms. Fanfan is a Florida State licensed mental health counselor. She is currently the chief executive officer of Harmony Mental Health and Behavioral Services for children, adolescents, and adults. Shelly is also the founder and sole owner of Ask Shelly Consultant LLC, where she consults with individual businesses, ministries, and organizations to maximize performance and productivity. Shelly's passion is to change the world, one life, one family, and one community at a time. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Shelly Fanfan. How you doing? I am well. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, you seem bright, chipper. Is that is that standard MO for your personality? Absolutely. I got up this morning. I still have purpose. Uh, impact is my 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 currency. Right. So yes, there's so much more to smile about than there is to frown about. But you know, but you always get these people go. Why are you so happy? Well, you know, they, they want to bring you down. You know, they want they they feel there's a reason, a dysfunctional role in your life to have this level of enthusiasm. That I say I say that not even jokingly, because they have people like that. How do Absolutely. you how do you um deal with people who who have that negative built-in energy that they want to just spread instead of absorbing positivity? 
I try to be as positive as possible and make sure that I do that consistently because being fulfilled and being in purpose and finding a reason to smile is no longer a normal thing. It's quite abnormal. So when people respond to that, it's because they are expecting you to be defeated. They're expecting you to be discouraged. They're expected you to be at your wits end. And so it's not uncommon for people to ask me like, why are you smiling so big? But the reason why my mantra is live in your smile is because I went through that stage in my life Mm -hmm. where I, you know, you know, I spread the misery because I was so miserable on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so I am very intentional about spreading positivity. And when I deal with people or when I come uh, across across people who (laughs) have that attitude, I just basically confront them and encourage them to fix their focus. And um, I try my best to give them a different perspective and let them know that there's so much more working for us than there is working against us. When you speak of that different perspective, because it's based on who you meet. There's no cookie cutter game plan you can give to everybody. Otherwise, you're not really servicing them correctly and also hearing their issues, you know. Now, your name is that I introduced you was Shelly Fan Fan. Was that born and raised name? It is. Okay, cool. So, you know, we go through life and, uh, you know, I, I remember when middle school at times I was bullied. Okay, and you have a name, your name has a little oddity to it, Fan Fan. So were you teased? And when you were teased, did it lead to any bullying incidents that you can remember that that you had to overcome or share with your parents or the teachers to, to, to you know, keep you focused and enjoy going to school? I'm happy that you bring that up. Such a good question because I love my name now. It works so well with campaigns because people are like, I'm a fan of fan fan. I'm like, yeah, keep that energy going. (laughs) But let me tell you, I never, it took a long time for me to really embrace that name because I was bullied. Fan fan is a very uncommon name. It's actually of Haitian descent. It's Mm -hmm. pronounced fuffa. Mm-hmm. But of course, you know, in our English language, it is pronounced fan fan. That's what people get. That's how they are able to pronounce it. And so in school, I was bullied for having a very strange last name. Right. I was bullied for being so skinny. I was bullied for being Haitian. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All the things that make me me. And so it really impacted my capacity to self-accept. Now, you know, I know that... Um... I would, when I look back at my life, I I, I kind of went with the flow. I, you know, when I say that is that the things that people tease me about, I stopped doing it so I could fit in. You know, like they like my teacher used to always ask me to read publicly. You know, and put in the classroom. And and when I remember a couple of students, they were very very upset that I was always chosen to read. And I, that really hit me when I look back on it. And I, and I just started, you know, just started breaking up my words and saying ain't instead of isn't so I can stop being the special student. And so and so I, I, I understand that because of the fact that when you start talking about mental health, people need to understand it, it doesn't start in high school. It doesn't start as an adult. Sometimes it can go all the way back to, you know, uh, preschool, how... The adult allows certain situations, the crying baby or the kid in the corner by itself or the way the kids dress. And because kids start at a blank slate. So let's start at the at the um, at that age level that you start counseling and, and and treating. So we can then we move up to adolescents, then teens, then adults and adults is a whole new story. But sometimes if you don't get to adulthood with the proper guidance, then you're a disaster. 
correct? Right. Well, I'd like to take it back one more stage, Mm -hmm. and that's in vitro. And it's important for people to understand that mental health starts when you are in the womb of your mom, Mm -hmm. because in your womb, in the womb of, of, of a woman, a child is developing, the brain is developing, there is a soul, they have the sense of hearing. I could go on and on about the fetus inside of a woman's womb. And a lot of the times when I'm dealing with individuals who are trying to overcome trauma, their trauma dates back all the way to when they were in their mother's womb. And it could be because the mother was a victim of violence herself or the mother was a drug abuser. I could go on and on. And so it's important to understand that our mental health lifeline actually starts When we were in the womb of our mothers, the way that our mothers cared for them, for herself, her mental health, how well she attended to her health needs while she was pregnant with you has to do and it is included in the mental health lifeline. When we're working with preschool children or kindergartners, those young, because I treat from the ages of two to 99. Mm -hmm. It's important to understand that there's so much um, of, there's so much involved in a child's development of self-identity that incorporates their peer interactions. And so when we as parents and caregivers minimize when they come to us and say, such and such was talking about me, all the things that we find trivial, it's very huge to a child. And so it's important to understand that those things create impressions. Everything creates impressions. Our brain is a huge recorder Mm-hmm. Even those memories that we don't have access to have power. And so as we develop through those developmental stages right. and we are trying to find ourselves, it's important to understand that all of those experiences matter. They are impressions. And what we impress, we will express. What we impress is what we express. So a lot of times when I'm working with adults, it's important for me to kind of go back to those learned experiences that cause those impressions and try to unlearn them so that they can find some freedom and the opportunity to relearn healthy connections and healthy ideas. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Absolutely. Now, as I'm talking to Dr. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm talking to Shelly Fan Fan. She mm-hmm. is a um, licensed, important licensed mental health counselor. And I reason I, I've been interviewing a lot of uh, African Americans, uh, people of color, about mental health because in the community of black and brown, we kind of shy away, you know, because just using street terms, I don't want to think I'm crazy. You know, I don't think, you know, you know, people still use the word retarded and associated with, you know, craziness. And, you know, they, these are terminologies within our community that we have not wrapped our conversation around and that doesn't allow us to move forward. You know, we call our kids slow. 
you know, it's the humor tied to a child not functioning uh, properly. Uh, that child may be discarded into the back of the house or, the, or to a different conversation or may not be included in part of the com- family conversation because of embarrassment. How do you deal with those? Because like I said, you, we start to move forward now because it's called participation. It's called inclusive uh, awareness of a child's uh, um, intelligence, a child's uh, social adaptability, adaptability, and things like that. Talk to us. Well, it starts with education mm-hmm. because our breakthrough is often on the other side of something we do not know. Right. And so this idea of crazy, mm-hmm. usually when people say crazy, I ask them, what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. And so most people will define like a person. Think of a man at a 7-Eleven who's talking to himself, you know, wiggling his fingers right. and responding to internal stimuli. Most of the time people see that as mental illness. Mm-hmm. When they think of the word mental health, they automatically think mental illness. Right. The person who has schizophrenia, the mm-hmm. person who has bipolar, who's blowing up things, burning things and having anger outbursts. And what I try to teach Every opportunity that I have, especially to black and brown communities, is that mental health is a spectrum. It starts with being completely whole and emotionally well. And most of us do not fit into that category. All the way to having a diagnosable mental health disorder. So what I try to teach is what does it look like? Outside of that space, outside of the area, that criteria for mental illness, what does the rest of that spectrum look like? The rest of that spectrum looks like your inability to commit to another person. It looks like your inability to get eight hours of uninterrupted rest. Mm -hmm. It looks like your Mm self-doubt. It looks like your fear and anxiety that keeps you stuck. It looks like your procrastination. It looks like that book that you haven't written. It looks like that song that you haven't sung. It looks like your inability to overcome your emotional issues. It's your inability to to communicate effectively without allowing your emotions to drive the car. It's your incapacity to manage your anger and be successful at work. It's your inability to manage your finances effectively. When we look at it that way, it changes our mind about what mental health really looks like. And then it expands the need in our communities for help. Right. Well, you know, the thing about it is that you have an inner city then you have, which is which which is totally a lockdown. And well, we know that's a lot of work that has to be done. You're talking about the wealth gap. That's a mental gap, too. That's with definitely in the middle city, but it's all about embarrassing uh, uh, how people feel the statue or the or the place they want to be recognized within the community, and it starts with your children, and your children are your future, and so you know we bring these innocent tots or innocent people into our lives, and I always tell people to have a healthy child, and that, that may be defined what you might call healthy uh, into a life is a miracle, and in the process of the adults, this is the whole thing. You have an adult, you have a child. And then the, and the child may not be living up to the physical or mental expectations of the parent. How do you deal with that so the love and the and the 
not lowering the standards, but raising the the love mm-hmm. and being able to push that child at that level to their maximum efforts. How do you balance that? Because you're dealing with all three. You're dealing with the adolescents, you're dealing with the children's, and you're dealing with the adults. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So in parenting, when we are providing parenting training, one of the things or one of the main lessons that we teach is that the love and affection, celebration of life, those things should not be contingent upon expectations or what we define as good behavior. Right. It should never. Right. And so sometimes I'll have um, parents say, oh, well, we canceled his birthday party because he was blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. He didn't listen. He got in trouble. And so we have to help parents understand what's healthy to have as contingencies, because a lot of parenting is very performance based. 
And then we grow up as adults and we are overperformers. We are perfectionists. We're not living happy lives. And where does that come from? That comes from performance based parenting, where I love you when I say when I believe you're doing good. When the report cards all A's, when you got that trophy at school, it is at that point that I give you love and affection. But when you are not meeting my expectations, I withhold my love and affection. It causes children to understand that love depends on fill in the blank. And that's a that's a problem for a lot of marriages, too. I always say when you say I love you because everything after the word because becomes a condition. And so we have to actually teach parents how to unconditionally love and accept their children. And half the time, parents who parent that way is because they were parented that way. And so it's about going back and breaking those generational understanding, those generational choices, those generational curses in order to set the children free. One of the things also, in addition to that, teaching unconditional love in our parenting, we also have to teach that there's no such thing as good or bad parenting. It's either it's effective or ineffective. And when we are not raising children that are emotionally intelligent and mentally stable, there is some ineffectivity in the way that a person parents. And then it gives us an opportunity to teach parents new skills. New skills are really the key. It, it's, when, uh, they sent them a, a series of questions for me to include in my interview with you. Um, I'm speaking with um, Shelly Fan Fan. Uh, she's a licensed in the state of Florida, mental health counselor. She also has uh, another organization called Ask Shelly Consulting LLC, where she consults with individuals, businesses, ministries, and organizations to maximize performance and productivity. That's all we talk about now, productivity, especially coming out of the uh, COVID experience, but also came out of the COVID experience was uh, two words that I heard a lot, conflict resolution. And I heard it a lot in law enforcement, conflict mm. resolution. Of course, you know, conflict it happens in everything. It happens in children, it happens in relationships, it happens in the two adults uh, trying to get into the same door going into a 7-Eleven. <laughs> <laughs> so when you hear the word conflict resolution, I'm sure that's been a prominent part of your conversations. How? What exactly does that mean, conflict resolution? Well, it means that it's it's basically a process by which we manage unmet expectations. Because when you think about conflict, conflict is a problem. It's a nice word for problem. Problems are always rooted in an expectation that wasn't met. Think of a problem right now. Think of problems that you dealt with. It always goes back to a an expectation that you had of someone, something, an outcome that you were expecting, and the expectation wasn't met. And so conflict resolution teaches skill sets on how to manage that distress. If that conflict is with another person, conflict resolution teaches how to have those courageous conversations and be solution focused in it. How do you manage your emotions, that disappointment, that anger, that frustration? How do you manage that in order to get to a resolution with someone that you want to preserve a relationship with? Sometimes the resolution is deuces and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But conflict Conflict resolution is about that. And one of the things that I teach as a corporate trainer is a lot of the time when we say conflict resolution, what we're trying to say is conflict management. Why? Because we may not always resolve our conflict. The resolution may be that we're just going to agree to disagree. 
Is that a resolve? Well, maybe not, but it's a, a, a way that we're managing conflict so that we can still be effective. We can still be partners. We can still be married. We can still be co-parents. We could still, you know, be effective and work toward the goal. Conflict management is always the key. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Conflict management can be sectioned off. You know, when you're when you're in a police officer, that's a separate conflict management. When you go in for mediation with parenting, that's a separate conflict management resolution discussion, as well as in a girlfriend or a partner relationship or a husband and wife relationship, because there's certain contractual agreements that you have when you get married. A lot of people don't realize you've signed a contract, you know. That's right. Well, when you were just a partner or girlfriend, boyfriend, you can go deuce, I'm out, you know, <laughs> depending on if you've moved in with that person, then that's a different deuce. Right. It has a certain mediation. That's where the conflict can get kind of kind of dicey. But uh, in, in, in talking to you in mental health, and, and, you know, it all goes back to stress. It always goes back to, am I living up to my personal standards? Then, it, then if you're not living up to your personal standards, are you living up to your kids' standards? Are you living up to your job standards? So you can just put all this weight on your back and like that, that little image of that guy holding up the world atlas, hold up the, yes. you can feel like that person. And guess what? It may never come off of you unless you learn how to handle stress. Right. Now, I've always felt that. You know, stress for me, I, I handle it a lot of different ways. Uh, I mean, when I when I bought a house in Atlanta, I made sure I had water near me. So I go near water. I just watch that calmness of the water. And it's just, just seeing it, it just really brings me down. And so, because I'm not a cigar, cigar smoker, I don't drink wine. So everything is always 100% on me. And so how I deal mm. with that. I love to bake. I love to cook. You know, because it's a short term window and I can see success. Sometimes stress is tied to goals. And so, and then in my office, I have a garden. And so I have this 45 day window where I can see tomatoes, I can see okra, I can see collard greens. And so that's how I deal with stress. And I'm just giving those examples of, of because there's so many different ways, but I, tie, I tend to tie short time, short term windows to, to be able to, especially if you're a goal-oriented person like me, and you have these long committed plans where you know, it's a month away or it's a year away, or you're not even reaching your goals. Well, I can go out to my garden, I can pull me some cherry tomatoes, and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say stress management, am I in the right direction, Shelly? You are absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. Stress management is about under first and foremost understanding the importance of having practical wellness tools. Okay. What you just talked about are wellness tools. Mm-hmm. I garden. I make sure that I am living by the water. And, you know, I, I have these, I give myself an opportunity to achieve success. That's what that is. Like, right. I want to be able to see the tomatoes growing. That's mm-hmm. success. Mm-hmm. These are wellness tools. And unfortunately, many people don't have many. They may have one or two tools that they use. So if my tool is a glass of wine and sleep, then I'm not dealing with my stress because the tools that I'm using are very avoidant. And so we teach uh, how to classify your stressors into two main categories. What stressors are avoidable Mm -hmm. and what stressors are unavoidable. 
Because the ones that are avoidable, that we need to be strategic about avoiding them in a healthy way. Because escape avoidance sometimes becomes very unhealthy. You're not really living life because you're just living in escape avoidance, just running from those stressors. So in a healthy way, how do we avoid those avoidable stressors? And how do we manage our stress in those unavoidable stressors? And I am telling you, in the 24 years that I have been in practice, there are so many people out there that do not know how to, here's a word, Here's a word, and that is decompress. Mm-hmm. Like, decompress. What do you do to decompress? Because if you're trying to manage your stress, but you don't have the capacity to decompress, it's going to be very difficult to manage the stress. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we teach, you know, a good planning, making sure that we teach harmony versus balance, mm-hmm. teach, make sure that you are around people that are going to pour life into you, accountability partnerships, set realistic goals. But, but deeper than that has to be the capacity to decompress. That's your ability to take your anger from a 10 to a six, right? your anxiety from a seven to a three, leaving your office and going at home and understanding you have to change roles now. Right. Your hats have to change. There has to be an exchange made either at your front door or on your way home right. so that you're not bringing that energy into your sanctuary. Right. Decompression is key. And there are people that don't know this. They have to learn how. And that's why therapy is so effective. Cool. Um, again, I'm speaking to Shelly Fan Fan. I'm a fan of Fan Fan. Okay. And uh, she's, a, <laughs> she's a state of Florida uh, mental health counselor. And also she uh, deals with uh, what I like to talk about. The, the conversation we don't have. Children have mental health that are not tied to the words that we use because you know, there's so many stress levels that kids have to deal with because we have technology. You know, video games create stress. Uh, just what, being able to have apps create stress. The fact that you, your child and yourself are tied to a phone, so they are, they're privy to conversations That's while cool. you're driving in a car that was not privy when I was growing up. You know, we drove, we drove. We got in the car. Now you're on the phone. That child may want that attention, but you're giving all that attention yes. to the person you're dealing on the phone. They may hear your stress levels, and they pick that up. So know yes. that your world, sometimes you're inviting that stress into your child's life because of technology. So I want to close with you giving us some pointers on overcoming life's obstacles. Absolutely. And are you talking about in, in terms of children? Because you hit something, you hit you hit the nail on the head when you talked about children watching how their parents handle stress, how children learn by watching their parents managing their stress, managing conflict and things of that nature. And so a lot of the times when parents come in and they sign up for therapy for their kids, do you know what we do? Mm-mm. We ask them to sign up themselves first. Mm. Because our children are sponges and it's very important that caregivers are tapping into their own mental health Mm -hmm. so that they can be better examples for their children. And that stress in childhood, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because it's key. And all of this emphasis on gaming and winning and likes and shares and all of that. One thing that I want to say here, and I could go on and on about this, but I'm going to keep it brief. Parents have to encourage peer interactions. Mm -hmm. 
You can negotiate with your kids. Four hours of peer interaction gets you one hour of gaming. Like we have to make sure that our children are still connecting with their peers. That's so important. That peer interaction is so important and alleviates a lot of the internal distress that children deal with on a day-to-day basis. And we have to make sure that children have the opportunity to express themselves. This idea that children should be seen and not heard, that's like a thing of the past. That is unhealthy. It causes mental illness. We have kids that are cutting themselves. They are self-mutilating. We have to allow children to speak their minds and parents have to give them the space to do that. Well, I want to thank you, Shelly. And like I said, I am based in Atlanta, Georgia. I know you're licensed in Florida. You make trips to Georgia. Please yes. make time and come over. We can talk stress-free. You know, Absolutely. I can show you my garden. I can make oh, some salsa wait. right in front of you with the jalapenos I freshly picked, the onions I freshly oh, wow. picked, the cilantro I freshly picked, and the hokey ch- beefsteak tomatoes that we're going to shred up and enjoy. Of course, the chips are going to be store-bought. I can't do everything in my kitchen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, I, I, I appreciate your smile. I appreciate your energy. More important, the honest conversation. That's why I come bringing on Money Making Conversations Masterclass. So know you have a home here to be able to form, to be able to communicate, and I like to believe that the conversation I was able to deliver you was one of honesty and one that you was able to expound on and deliver information for my audience, okay? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, cool. If you want to hear or see this interview on Money Making Conversations, uh, go to moneymakingconversations.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. <laughs>